Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue, and we're coming to you from the campus of Middle Tennessee State University in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Changing Saudi Arabia, Art, Culture, and Society in the Kingdom is the latest book by Dr. Sean Foley, our peripatetic professor of history. This book challenges certain myths about the monolithic nature of the country and details the impact of various types of creative people, from painters to stand-up comics, on Saudi society. A new look at Saudi Arabia after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. MTSU Spring Class of 2020 graduated from home offices, kitchen tables, and living rooms across the country May 9th instead of graduating on campus at Murphy Center. During MTSU's first virtual graduation, streamed to mark a long-awaited day of celebration after a pandemic-truncated semester, President Sidney McPhee praised the 2,519 new graduates for their perseverance. Along with their status as the university's first virtual graduating class, the spring class of 2020 also made history by putting the university's total number of graduates over 150,000. And MTSU's American Sign Language courses will continue this summer through digital technology. The Center for Accelerated Language Acquisition, or CALA, will use a video conferencing platform called Jitsi to conduct two separate sections of classes from 1 to 2.30 p.m. June 15th through 19th and from 1 to 2.30 p.m. June 22nd through 26th. Jitsi will enable the instructor and participants to see each other and interact with each other in real time during the classes. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. John, welcome. Thanks for coming in. Thank you very much. It's always a great pleasure to have the opportunity to speak with you. Um, again, um, as a university professor, we work in our classrooms, we deal with our students, but also there's a whole group of people who help make this university work, not only the administration, but also people like you who are invaluable to help us work with public affairs and the wider public, and also, to be, to be frank, to help us publicize our work and get it out there. I could not be more happy to have an opportunity to speak with you in person. Again, I've enjoyed my time with you in the past, and I look forward to my interview today. Thank you, sir. It is my pleasure. Your basic premise is that artists have had a profound effect on politics and culture in Saudi Arabia in recent decades and continue to do so. How so? Well, let's th- let's go back first. When we think about a country like Saudi Arabia, we often focus on politics. We focus on two things. One is elite politics. And a second one, we, we focus on um, elite politics, but also what can't be done. And what we benefit from something like from the artists is we learn something about how the Saudi how the society really is. Um, what are the opportunities for people working within the system? How do these people operate? How do they talk in different contexts? Um, one of the most famous artists in the country, a man named Abdul Nasser Garam, said, "We need to listen to the artists," and that's what I did. And when I listened to them, I learned a couple of things. First. Art is something is not just individual self-expression, although that is part of what it is. But more importantly, when we look at the artists, we're listening to the voice of the society on a wider way. We're not something that might come out and say the media um, in the United States or through democratic political processes in other countries comes out in this context. Garam himself actually talks about it being a mirror onto society. They're reflecting. The grassroots, another artist, Ahmed Matra, talks about. And when we look at, at, at these types of things, we see people who are, their ideas are clear, they're sophisticated, 
They're often talking about issues um, that are political, that have enormous impact, but in a way that is nonpartisan. Um, almost apolitical. When we do that, we get a very clear message. We see a preview of where the society is going, um, how it's operating. And um, nuanced, not jingoistic or radical, but quite nuanced. Absolutely. Very nuanced. Um, as I said, sophisticated, clear, but not necessarily oppositional. We tend to think of politics as left versus right, north versus south, rich versus poor. Is there another way to talk about political or cultural issues that is inclusive? Well, a very famous author and a man named Edward Said wrote a book called Orientalism, big, long book that we have to read in graduate school, many disciplines, including Middle East history. And he, he challenged us um, as scholars to think beyond these left-right divisions, ones that many Americans, I'm sure, are familiar with today by just taking a peek at our politics at the front pages of newspapers. What the Saudis are able to do is step back and transcend those divisions. Let's talk about art, um, our politics, our culture, and specific ideas, and almost any issue that's d discussed in the kingdom is here, but in a multiple of ways. Thinking about it as what, what's remarkable is a collage where you see oppositional forces that seemingly come together in harmony, looking for ways. I'll tell you an example. Yeah. When, when we think about when we, someone says to you, we need to talk. If a man hears that, he's often scared if it's from his wife or his girlfriend. But in this context, the Saudis understand that being able to talk is the beginning of a solution. It's not the end of a, it's not a problem. It's a way that a problem can be solved. In, in a way, what you're talking about in terms of, of this artist community is uh, a defiance of history. We in the West think of Saudi Arabia as a theocratic, autocratic monarchy. And when it comes to autocracies, the autocrat almost always goes after the artist. Hitler did it in Nazi Germany. He went after the artist and the intelligentsia. Goodness knows Stalin went after the artist, musicians and, and painters and, and such. Uh, how is this different? Uh, the, the, you're not talking about the Saudi government rounding up artists and uh, throwing them into prison. No, no, no. It's a very different context. And again, this is a very, um, I, I would be very careful to compare Nazi Germany to, um, it, again, anything. This is an issue of great politics and other types of Stalin. Those are specific political contexts. And also, remember, as an historian, um, we're, we're always very careful. The one thing we do believe in is, is change over time. Right. That's certainly here. And, and one of the things I would agree with, we as in the West have a great deal of difficulty dealing with a country like Saudi Arabia. It's a monarchy. Mm -hmm. And our modern history is a, a resistance to monarchy. We had a revolution against monarchy. Um, the French Revolution, another touch point in our Western modern history, is a revolution against history. How can it be possible that a monarchy seemingly survives change, changes in this world? Almost many conferences over many years, I heard the same thing over and over again. Saudi Arabia must change. Mm -hmm. It has in fundamental ways. And part of that change comes from these group of artists. And what's what's interesting about these artists um, is that the movement begins way from the centers of power um, in the south, a, a very provincial city, a place called Abba, a beautiful city, actually on the close to the border with Yemen. Um, and in fact, in part, it reflected um, a, local, a local governor, a member of the royal family, um, who said, you know what? I see some patterns in this country. I've seen changes that I want to do something about. He opens up a newspaper called Al-Watan, but he also gives some money to the arts. 
Mm-hmm. Or at least what he does is he does so in an indirect way. He sets up an artistic studio mm-hmm. and says, okay, you can just go there and do what you want. And those people show up and they begin to come together. A group of kids, guys come together. A patron of the arts who does not attempt to direct the uh, essence of the arts. Absolutely not. He pushes it in the right directions. He brings a British man in, um, Stephen Stapleton, um, to come in and help them. But no, he's not telling them what to do. That's up to them. What's remarkable about this movement is that we think of this as a society in which everything is directed from the government down. A good deal of this is actually done on their own. These are people, yes, they have an artistic space that's created, a place where they can in the studio. But outside of that, the energy is from themselves. It's their own group developing, how do we look at the art? And they're going to take advantage of technology. They're going to look at things like the internet. They're going to suddenly realize, wait a second, there's a world out there. Can we learn from this? But when they learn from it, they do so in their own way. Um, they think of art in their own developed way, in a way that is both takes in ideas from the West, but is also still uniquely Saudi. And that's what makes it so powerful. Um, We're going to talk about our own ideas, our own problems, and we're going to think about art in our own way. We'll take a break here. We'll be back in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The Middle East Center at MTSU seeks to promote greater understanding of the politics, history, and culture of this vitally important region of the world. Its mission includes the promotion of outreach programs and faculty research. The center sponsors lectures by Middle East experts and scholarly exchanges. We're especially pleased to offer a new interdisciplinary minor in Middle East Studies with courses in Arabic and Hebrew. This is Dr. Alan Hibbard, Center Director. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. The MTSU Department of Art has the newest facility for visual arts in the state with approximately 50,000 square feet of space, including high-tech computers and computer-driven equipment for multimedia, graphic design, printmaking, sculpture, painting, and ceramics. We feature a visiting artist lecture program and an exhibition program that exposes students to work by national and international artists. To find out more, visit mtsunews.com. Dr. Sean Foley, professor of history, is the author of Changing Saudi Arabia, Art, Culture, and Society in the Kingdom. How would you describe these artists? Are they highly individualistic or are can you call them a community of artists an artistic community do they network with one another uh, are they communitarian or are they very much on their own oh they're actually communitarian what we would call it's a very different we think of art artists in the western context as an art sort of almost as art as god created the world mm-hmm. and again i'm not being religious in any way but the idea is that the artist goes into a studio thinks of their individual image, comes out and dazzles us. Someone like Jackson Pollock, for instance. Now, there are artistic movements in the West, but we highly think about an artist as an individual figure and an individual figure not only who creates the art, but also, up until quite recently, gets to define what that art means. Now, in the Saudi context, it's very different. The initial artistic movement is a collective. It's four or five guys who get together. None of them have training. Um, initially have training um, in the arts. Um, There are a group of people, many of whom are highly educated professionals. One's a military officer. Um, One is a doctor. Um, Other different types of professionals are involved. They're not necessarily trained in the arts. And they come together as a collective. 
and they start thinking, okay, we're going to create art. And their initial idea is to create art as a way to think about society, to think about its problems, um, to think about how, how we work. And they do so in a collective framework. And the initial thought is to think of, of, of a majlis. Majlis is a unique Saudi institution. You see one in almost every house. There are mixed ones with men and women. There are ones for both men and only women. Uh, many, almost every house, every building, say if this was a, a university in Saudi Arabia, we'd have one in your office. Um, mm. It's just, or in my department. That's just the way it is. And they recreate that idea. Okay, let's think about this. And an obvious place which can recreate a modulus on a larger level is an art gallery. And once you get from an art gallery, the next place you can go is a larger context. And the internet becomes a perfect place by which you can communicate back and forth. It becomes a realization of these types of things. And they're constantly blending old and new, young and old in ways. Again, one of, their first major, one of their first major exhibits in London where I saw them was called Hashtag Come Together. Now, of course, come together is the um, Brit is from the Beatles, right? But you modernizing by putting the hashtag next to it. In the sense of the visual arts, could I, if I were to go to Riyadh or any other major Saudi city, could I see the visual arts manifest themselves with this this new generation of artists in the form of murals? Could Absolutely. I see on the on a, a building where people could see it day after day after day. Oh yes, absolutely. Murals are very much part and parcel of any Saudi city. You see them all over the place. Um, both from the largest cities like Riyadh or Jeddah or Dammam. And it should be noted just to pause. Saudi Arabia is a country just to explain it for your listeners about thirty million people. Um, it's a country um, that produces oil, but much of its population today lives in three major cities in the center of the country, Jeddah, Riyadh, or, or Dammam. Um, this is the center of the country. And yes, absolutely, you will see murals. And those you'll see those murals, for instance, in schools. And many of those murals, like the art that you see that I talk about in this book, is collages. Um, the same type of art, you'll see that mirrored. Um, and different types of things. And you'll see um, modern and religious, secular and non-secular all together in the same space. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes what makes Saudi art so fascinating to me and when it hit me, um, and I should pause, I, I saw Saudi art for the first time in 2012 when I went to it. I happened to be in London for a um, an exhibit, for uh, excuse me, for a wedding. And I went to this exhibit. I had an extra day, so I went to it in London. And I got hit by this art. And what, what was remarkable about the art is, this is 2012, mm -hmm. many of the ideas that we see today in the modernizing, transforming Saudi Arabia, um, particularly with women driving or other issues, were all hinted at in that artwork. And what the Saudis were able to do were see things in the same context um, that were linked together, find ways to blend things together or coexist in ways that I myself didn't think could ever coexist. How free do the Saudi artists feel that they can be to use their art to criticize the government? Okay, let's. I would. I would back up with that question. For them, it's not a question about a quick criticism of governments. Mm -hmm. Part of what they're doing is trying is trying to reform conversation within a larger context, mm -hmm. um, and to think about how do we discuss problems that include the government. But when they talk about what they're fearful of, oftentimes it's as much this larger society as it is the government, that you can be sometimes on the same side. You can support a policy position of the government. But if the rest of society is against you, it doesn't matter where the government is. You're in real trouble. <laughs>
<laughs> so, in fact, part of what they have to do is figure out a way not only to be, again, on the, they, they don't necessarily want to be, there are clear, for instance, red lines. Um, but more of what it is, more of what they worry about is being on the right point of society. They want to start a conversation. Let, let's talk. But if you're going to talk, that means people have to be in. They have to read in. They have to have buy-in to what you're doing. And again, they're willing to talk about many different issues, issues that we would see as, as very sensitive. Mm -hmm. um, but they have to do it in a way that allows everybody in, including the government, um, that you can be able to talk about issues. Um, I mean, for example. You can't call someone an idiot and then expect them to sit down and have a conversation with you. That's right. That's right. And indeed, they learned from the experience. Um, there have been previous actors um, who have been involved, a previous comedian who have been involved, a very funny show. And in fact, the, the crown prince who later became the king was actually called the, 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 the greatest fan of the kingdom of the show. Yet the show so angered significant segments of Saudi population that that comedian had to leave the country. Mm -hmm. And in that context, this is what I said about missing sort of government versus not government free to criticize. In this context, the government... Oftentimes, the government is the least of your problems, that you've got to deal with other social contexts. And in fact, government action will come when the government recognizes that the rest of society has come on board and gotten angry with you. Um, it, it's, a, it's a surprising thing. Remember, part of what, what they're doing is forcing all of us, including me mm -hmm. uh, as a scholar, it's an extraordinarily humbling experience mm -hmm. as a scholar. Look, I've spent nearly almost two decades working on I was in graduate school I've had the benefit of teaching students here I've lived in the Middle East I've lived in in Syria one as a Fulbright scholar I got to live in Saudi I've lived in Malaysia again thanks to the generous support of, of this institution and I thought I knew something and when I when I got to Saudi I realized no I need to relearn it and part of what they're doing is making me rethink one of the things I'll talk about is okay we have to synthesize Islam and modernity Plenty of my students remember that from classes that I've taught. And when I looked at this Saudi art, I realized, no, they're telling me it's a lot more complicated than that. It's not just state versus state versus individual. We've got to think about it in a collective version of us. It fundamentally means that I have to, all of us have to rethink. And that rethink for me is what makes it so powerful. Their art is a fundamental questioning. Give me an example. It's a large painting, one of the first works by a man named Ahmed Matar. Matar is an artist, um, but he's also was trained as an emergency room physician. And so he looks at art in a very different way. He looks at art as, as a doctor. He says, my art is, is giving a prescription to society. I'm telling you what it is. I'm showing you the mirror. And I'm doing it for a reason. I want you to react. I want you to think. Um, and that means you can do very things that are very critical. Um, showing building programs, for instance, in Mecca and other things that raise interesting questions about very important building programs. Yet, if you don't say it directly, or if you use an idea, if you don't give it definition, mm -hmm. even other people, you might think that, but I couldn't possibly say that. Mm -hmm. And one of the first pieces, I'll give you an example about being humbled. Um, we did a piece called Cowboy Code. And one piece um, on one side is Gene Autry's Cowboy Code. All the lines from Okay. On the other side, he's got Islam's uh, um, Ten Commandments for War. Mm -hmm. What do these two things have anything in common? One's a mid-20th century popular song by a cowboy singer, mm -hmm. and another one is from an Islamic leader of an important, a religious leader of great importance. You're talking about societal rules of engagement. Right. But when he looks at them, 
mm-hmm. even comparing them might might raise fundamental questions. Mm-hmm. But in Matar's mind, he can see that they have something in common. Mm-hmm. Why? He looks at different lines. There are certain lines that are almost identical. Mm-hmm. He remembers the fact that as a young boy, he used to watch cowboy and Indians mm-hmm. videos. That was that had become fundamentally part of his culture. So for him, what I thought was a clash of cultures, no. It was reality for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, the piece actually has little pop gun bottle cops as part of it. And again, he saw things that were together. When I looked at that, I realized, whoa, I need to think again. He's seeing me. He's letting me see a reality, letting me see things that have things in common that we don't think shouldn't, but do. A part of it has to, how do you think about this? Time for another break. We'll be right back. This is MTSU on the record. Specialized training in forensic science prepares tomorrow's professionals through the Forensic Institute for Research and Education, or FIRE. The Forensic Anthropology Search and Recovery Team assists law enforcement with skeletal remains at crime scenes. Legendary forensic scientists provide lectures free to the public, and high school students work realistic crime scenes each summer at our CSI MTSU camp. I'm Dr. Hugh Berryman, Director of FIRE. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. The Concrete Industry Management Program at MTSU fills the need for trained personnel who know concrete technology and techniques. Our alumni go into the marketplace grounded in basic math and science and able to promote products or services related to the industry. Our participation in the academic common market ensures talented students in other states a chance to enroll on an in-state tuition basis. This is Dr. Heather Brown, director of the program. To find out more information on this or other university programs, visit mtsunews.com. The book is called Changing Saudi Arabia, Art, Culture, and Society in the Kingdom by Dr. Sean Foley, Professor of History. Uh, Is the concept or the stereotype of the starving artist who adheres strictly to his ideals even if it means he can't sell anything, is that alien to the Saudi artist community? Uh, Well, at one time it was. And in fact, part of what's, what's really interesting, if you look at the earlier generations, the current generation of Saudi artists is by no means not the first generation. In fact, Saudi Arabia is a country that was a very poor country up until the early mid-20th century when oil began. And in fact, in the 50s and the 60s, there's actually an initial generation of Saudi artists who go out to the West. They actually get trained in places like Rome or other places. And they come back and they produce what they think is Western modern art. Nobody cares. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, nobody reacts to it. Um, and one of them actually dies as a penniless artist. What's remarkable about the next this generation of artists is that they're able to develop tools in order, some of which they get some from the government, but also what they're able to do is develop commercially viable means of making art. Part of it, they sell their art, they make communications with artists in the West, but also the next generation of artists, um, the people who pick up using very similar ideas but doing it in a larger context, are comedians. Mm-hmm. And comedians will have very, very large shows, a thousand people in them. You anticipated my you, you anticipated my next question, but go ahead. Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh good, I'm I'm glad I'm I'm glad I'm doing doing my best to keep up with you. I <laughs> I guess I should go quickly to make certain that I can answer the questions. Um, but here's what 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 it, what's really remarkable about comedy. Comedy does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Comedy allows you, particularly with short questions, mm-hmm. with short statements, um, on stage, um, to start using multiple different ideas. Often the best jokes I realized are jokes which say one thing, but imply something else. 
two things at once. It's a collage. I'll bet stand-up comedy has a different rhythm, too, when it's spoken in Arabic as opposed to English. Absolutely. But the idea is, oh, of course it's different. In fact, there's both English and Arabic stand-up comedy, and it's very different meaning. If you say something in English in a, in a Saudi context, it will reach only a certain audience. But if you say it in Arabic, mm-hmm. even if that Arabic is infused with lots and lots of English, which it is, um, it does have a different meaning. And in fact, one of the powerful things that Saudi comedians have been able to do um, is to engage different ideas and audiences um, and to bring in populations that hadn't seen this before. And stand-up comedy is in many ways perfect. Why? It is a group and a collective experience. It's something, again, um, as anyone has been to a comedy show knows, it's it's you're up on stage, it's you know hard and difficult for the comedian, but also a comedian is interacting with an audience. It's simultaneously an individual on stage talking, but that individual needs those claps. Mm-hmm. You know, if the if the audience isn't laughing, the uh, the comedian will often say, you know, move their hands, clap, please. Mm-hmm. But it also involves a lot of improvisation and a lot of interaction with the audience. But for the Saudis, it's perfect. Why? You've got one guy on stage, one one woman on stage. There's no issue with men or women on stage at the same time, and it's a collective group experience. And what they found is these types of comedies and jokes became a perfect way to talk about other important issues. Oh, that's not really serious, even though what they are talking about is very serious. Um, it's just a joke, right? Or is it just or, a joke? Or is it just a joke? But again, that's the wonderful thing about comedy. Comedy allows you to say one thing while implying something else. Mm-hmm. Often those are the best jokes. I didn't really mean that. Mm-hmm. And what, what's fascinating about it is that in the same way artists will use create collage or what I call exoteric. What does that mean? Some crazy word. What it means is that they will assign work in visual arts where they'll put multiple things and you get to decide what that meaning is. Mm-hmm. Um, and in comedy, comedy is great. The best comics are those that have multiple audience uh, the audience will will debate what they actually mean and that's the point mm-hmm. the point again like the visual arts but with comedy is to get people to do what talk this concludes part one of our two-part interview with dr sean foley a professor of history and author of changing saudi arabia art culture and society in the kingdom Part 2 will air at 9.30 p.m. Central Time next Tuesday with an encore performance the following Sunday at 6 a.m. We'll be right back. The Middle Tennessee Writing Project is a program that fosters the effective teaching of writing to students in kindergarten through high school. The project hosts annual summer institutes where teacher participants teach and learn from each other effective techniques of teaching writing. In addition, the project sponsors summer writers camps for youngsters. MTSU is one of 185 sites of the National Writing Project and one of only two in Tennessee. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Expanding Your Horizons is an annual hands-on science and math conference for middle and high school girls. EYH enables girls to investigate careers in science and math and to talk with female leaders in those fields that are so essential to our nation's future. EYH also provides the girls with fun hands-on activities and allows them to meet girls with similar interests. I'm Dr. Judith Iriarte-Gross, EYH Director. For all the latest MTSU information, go to mtsunews.com. Jimmy Hart has the middle moment. The COVID-19 pandemic has led to empty shelves for certain products. MTSU's supply chain management concentration in the Jones College of Business trains students on how to manage the process of getting products 
from point A to Z. Here's Professor Cliff Welburn. We're kind of getting caught right now in the sense that the supply chains sometimes are long and they're long because of sometimes because of distance something's coming from across the world and it takes time to travel sometimes they're long because of complexity there's different steps in the process and they're not all done at one site that's mtsu on the record i'm jenna logue thanks for listening mtsu on the record a news and information program about middle tennessee state university is produced by the university's marketing and communications office which is solely responsible for its content read more about mtsu at our website mtsunews.com Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.